Hello and welcome to another episode of The Run-In, sponsored by Envy and Straight Compasses. Uh, this week we've got a very special interview with uh, Swiss superstar and up-and-coming possible world champion Simona Abersold. So look forward to that in the back mm. half of the episode. But we're starting off with Catherine. You've actually been and done some orienteering. Yes. At, at a real-life event with real people. I know. It was... Well, it would have been amazing if it wasn't, like, raining the whole day today. So I really <laughs> want to come back from this being like, oh, I had really loads of fun. I really enjoyed it. Like... It was a great event, and it, it was a great event, but I did spend the whole of the course going, I'd have been much quicker on this course if I could just see, because I can't <laughs> see any detail on the map, and I can't see the ground, and then I take my glasses off, because I wear glasses, uh, which is not a really good co- good combo anyway. Yeah, I should get contacts. Anyway, and then I take my glasses off, and then I can't see the ground properly, because my depth perception's all right, wrong, and then I just like feel dizzy, and then I can't... Uh, it was it was all bad, and I made a few mistakes. And I made a few mistakes that probably weren't about me being in the rain and not being able to see. But it was just a bad combo. So, yeah. What was the terrain like? So, like southern mixture of forest and like heathery bits, but not too bad. A little bit of bracken, but pretty good. Bits of gorse. Okay. Uh, there yeah, are cows yeah. in that area, so it's not too the undergrowth's not too high. It was quite it was quite decent, but like just you know bits where you put in your feet and like you can't see them, and yeah, and I got mm. to keep stopping because I couldn't see the map when I was running, and and then I and I got back and I'm like I'm not even tired after this run. Like I just ah <laughs> oh, I could have gone so much quicker anyway. This is what orienteering's about, isn't it? It's all about like oh I could have gone so much quicker if like Absolutely. feel like I'm talking as a typical orienteer. But the you know the the event was really great and it was we had to you had to like queue up to register it was almost like the old days you know when you'd be uh, that people would register you in a car you had to go up to like one car window and mm, like do yeah. registration in there it was like that the people in a van and I had to go up and like get my uh, t- emit touch free and then do the same to download so yeah that was that was quite good but yeah like I didn't you know didn't really feel like there were many people around got to my start like very easy um, right at the end of the start window and no queuing no queuing it was all very yeah all very simple all very good and well organized so let's just hope that next week well last week's event was cancelled because it was 34 degrees so rearranged to next week and hopefully next week's one will be not raining and not 34 degrees which would you have taken 34 degrees or 34 or degrees rain? Yep. yeah <laughs> yeah british summer well Love it. yeah i did i did some training with the, the south central squad in like 30 degrees and it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, to be honest. So Yeah. Mm. I think in the forest sometimes it's okay. But yeah. if you're out in those open areas, mm. you can cook a bit. But oh, that's very exciting. And it's, it's odd that the first orienteering events that... Well, the first orienteering events back are happening at a time of year in Britain where a <laughs> very little orienteering actually normally mm. occurs. Mm. So it's a yeah, whole it's weird. different thing. Normally yeah. the forests are impenetrable with bracken. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I think clubs are being having to be really, really creative to find ways that 
to avoid all the undergrowth to avoid all the bracken in particular I definitely did feel though actually I had an advantage going later on in the day oh gosh to have been first start today and wading through some head high bracken in places there wasn't much of it but where there was some it was I could have really imagined what it was like for the first starters awful (sighs) makes you tough yeah I I now like appreciate winters a lot more than I used to just because there's no undergrowth in the winter yeah, that's the thing. Some of the British forests are beautiful in the winter, but mm. get to summer and just, yeah, it's a real shame. I went to, uh, did some training in Aspley Heath down near Milton Keynes last week. It's a map I'd never run on before, but yeah, a lot of head high bracken there and just fighting a bit, which is, you know, it's never nice. But then you're in the open beach sections, it's beautiful, and you think, oh, wow, Ooh. if it's all like this. Yeah, God. why is it all like that? Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, on to the next one and looking forward to all the undergrowth dying off. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, But there has actually been some um, racing further afield abroad as well. Um, OO Cup has been going on in France in, I think it's in the the Jura Mountains um, in eastern France on the border of Switzerland. And there's been a few Brits out there competing in Mm -hmm. what has become quite a popular holiday orienting event over the last few years for, for Brits abroad. Um, it's yeah. normally an event that takes place in Slovenia and Croatia, but they've expanded out to France. So uh, we had quite a few representatives from the um, GB Elite Squad out there. So we'll run through. Uh, and there's two classes for the uh, the 21s. Um, yeah, I was a bit pick. confused about this. Why there yeah. was an ultimate and an elite? What's going on with that? So the, the elite course is your standard um, orienteering maps, you know, as as per any event you'd enter, that's just the elite class. The ultimate class removes all of the paths and tracks and rides oh off the map to uh, to make it more of a technical challenge. So for those people who, and if anyone's seen the maps from OO Cup, if you haven't, go on to oocup.com. They're all up there with, um, I think, some GPS tracking as well. But they are phenomenal. And uh, it's beautiful forest. Um, I went a couple of years ago to the one in France, and it's incredibly technical anyway, <laughs> not being on the ultimate so the people who choose the ultimate are clearly very confident in their technique and um yeah looking for that bit more of a challenge so uh but there's also means there's some big mistakes out there um (laughs) for uh for our entertainment so um which weren't wasn't helped on the first day with apparently three controls got stolen from the middle of the forest so i don't know how that happened um maybe someone made some big mistakes and then uh decided to take it out on the controls (laughs) Um, but in the women's elite class, so we'll run through that one first. That was won by uh, Isia Basse, um, mm-hmm. world champs medalist, I believe from yes. um, from Latvia Still a couple of years ago from yep. the middle distance. And um, she won by a comprehensive twenty-seven minutes in the overall, so uh, taking out quite a big win there. And um, Victoria Stevens was uh, was seventh in the uh, in the women's elite, so good result from from Vicky Stevens there. Um, very experienced at junior world champs level and obviously still going along and um, in the women's ultimate class that was won by Megan Carter-Davis running for all Wales orienteering legends <laughs> cracking name um, and uh, she won by 44 minutes which was very impressive wow. um, didn't win every single day um, did a uh, did lose a lot of time on a couple of days in the middle there but no very impressive win from Meg so clearly mm. she's been getting in her training during lockdown and Louise Adams was fifth on that for GB as well so uh yeah pretty good pretty good results there for the women and on the men's side of things 
We had um, in the men's ultimate class, you had Ben Mitchell. It was actually a bit of a, a bit of a close fight between the Brits. Um, so you had Ben Mitchell, Phil Vokes, Pete Bray, Tom Bray, um, Connor Short from Ireland, and um, Michael Adams as well. So uh, Ben actually came out third overall. He was just six nice. minutes down. Um, it was very close between the top two, 24 seconds between um, Eduardo Gil Marcos and Alvaro Preto del Campo, both from Spain. Uh, but Ben in third place, Phil Vokes just behind him in sixth place. And then um, uh, Mike Adams was down in 20th and um, Pete Bray and Tom Bray didn't do the final stage. So they were, they were DNS'd in the end. But uh, yeah, on um, as, as was... Uh, Connor Short. So um, those three not finishing the week, but good results there from from Ben and Phil. Um, I'd like to see that Phil, new club mate in OD for me, is putting in the uh, putting in the hours. Going to be called up to the ODA team, I think, in a in a couple of well next year for the for the JK. So I better get training again. But yeah, good results from all of the the, uh, the lads and uh, ladies out there. And then Matthew Perry, Matthew Perrin won the uh, the men's elite as well um, from a couple of the uh, French elite national runners so nice. yeah international orienteering is back it is it is these kind of holiday events are there and yeah that's fantastic to see some some great results i think really the the big one everyone's going to be looking forward to is of course the uh euro meeting um in the czech republic that's really going to be big but now it's good to see we've started um you know seeing some competition and I think some people will end up having to quarantine, I think, at the result of going to that one. But um, actually, speaking of Euro meeting, that Euro meeting is going to be one of the rounds in the UK Elite O-League this year, as we've now got the some of the other rounds confirmed and in the diary. So we had uh, John Taven and Bursmore, and I think some of the other... Uh, I think it was just no, those just two. just those two. Just yeah. those two um, in the calendar. Uh, so now we've got this junior long and middle uh, dates on the 20th, 29th and 30th of August. These are forming the selection races for EYOC uh, European Youth and European Juniors and for any talent camps as well. So I'm really expecting a lot of juniors to head to that. They are for juniors only. So only for MW16s, 18s and 20s, those races. But for the juniors, they will form part of the UK O-League as well. As we go into the seniors, then, we'll have races at Russland Beaches and Graithwaite on the 3rd and the 4th of October. That's a middle and a long distance as well. And then the last three rounds will all be from Euro meeting. So that's the sprint, middle and long, the 28th, the 30th of October, and then the 1st of November, all in the Czech Republic, which they've recently, I think, added that sprint competition now that there's going to be a it sprint did, yeah. race at next year's World Championships in the Czech Republic. So this Euro meeting is kind of like a warm-up for the World Championships, basically. So those are all the details of all the competitions if you want to take part in the UK Elite O-League this year. Yeah, very excited for the uh, for the forum round. And there's enough time after finishing it up to, to quarantine upon getting back. So good planning there from the League, uh, league Commissioner to, to give us a, <laughs> enough time just in case we need to quarantine to to be able to go and compete in the seven champs as well at the end uh, in the final round but you know, it's great that the um, that there's junior selection races as well happening mm. in two mm-hmm. weekends time yeah so uh, excited to see how those guys are going and there's a training camp ongoing as we speak up in Speyside for 
um, some of the elite squad who've um, who've taken some leave from work or uni or or you know just gone up there to train for a week or so. Um, so hopefully there's a lot of juniors there getting their eye in before the uh, for the test races. So excited to see what happens. Um, yeah, there's actual say, races but, to report on in the yeah. UK. <laughs> I was going to say that would be really interesting, <clears throat> interesting being one way of describing it for some of the juniors taking part in that, that selection race. If it's the first orienteering they've done, hopefully it's not going to be the first orienteering they've done. Hopefully they've managed to find some training or some races or something to do. I would find that a bit, uh, disconcerting, a bit difficult to just go straight into selection race. Goodness me! But you know, some people, some people do it. Some people do decide they want to, you know, starve themselves volunteering and be really keen and really enjoy it when they do it. But yeah, we will of course keep you up to date with those uh, results as well. Um, but let's now go on to our interview of today's episode, and it is with the get this get this for stats nine times junior world champion with a silver in the middle and a bronze in the long at the World Championships last summer in her first ever senior year, um, Simona Abersold. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to her. Let's take it away. Thank you so much, Simona, for, for joining us. Um, where are you right now in the world and what is it like? Yeah, I'm here in Gothenburg since three weeks now. Or four weeks. Yeah, and one week I was in Idre also. So um, I'm just enjoying the terrain here or the surroundings. It's really nice to have something different than Switzerland all the time. <laughs> so um, how come you've moved to Gothenburg from Switzerland then? I had already planned to come here during spring, mm-hmm. but that got cancelled several times. So um, I was thinking about coming here this summer. And uh, two friends of mine are here right now, so um, I can stay at their apartment. Um, yeah, so that's why I'm here. <laughs> nice, nice. And um, so I think were you in on training camp in Portugal when coronavirus hit and everything started locking down? Exactly. Yes. Um, so we just noticed there that something is going on in Switzerland, mm. and when we came back, it was quite different. We had one last training together and then everything was locked down and we had to train on our own which was i have to say not my favorite thing to do (laughs) have you always trained as a team then even when when you're a junior and uh growing up yeah mostly um but there were still some um yeah trainings alone during the week Mm. but i didn't really like them those were just uh boring running sessions so I was always looking forward to some group trainings, but yeah, doing seven days per week training alone is not really my thing to do. That must be hard to motivate yourself to do that. How did you manage to keep yourself motivated? Um, yeah, in the beginning it was quite difficult to motivate myself, but I had some problems with um, iron deficiency mm-hmm. during um, the beginnings of Corona. So um, that got a lot better. And uh, yeah, I saw that I was doing progress every week and every training session even. So um, that was what was motivating me, that I was getting faster and faster. Oh, yeah, it's always it's always fun when you, you feel like you're making progress and then you can just, you can kind of keep going, you can get some momentum. So what was your reaction? Take us back to when everything 
started getting cancelled, World Championships or the World Cup races? What was your reaction at the time? I think first I was a bit naive. I thought that already World Cup in Switzerland for sure will happen. Mm. But um, then I was quite yeah, sad and a bit surprised when it got cancelled. But yeah, after that, just everything got cancelled and I wasn't really surprised anymore. Mm. When WOC was um, postponed, I wasn't surprised. But then when it was cancelled after all, mm. um, that was quite a big surprise because I didn't think that it would take so such a long time to get rid of that Corona thing. Mm. But yeah, now it's still here and yeah, I think it never goes away. Um, yeah, yeah, for yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, I, you, we've got to get used to something completely new. So are you someone exactly. who kind of like, are you someone who likes to have a big spreadsheet or a big calendar and really thoroughly have all your races written down and everything planned ahead? Mm. Yes, definitely. Um, I like to have everything planned and I like to have it planned in order to like looking forward to something. Mm. So um, that was quite hard for me in the beginning to not know um, what is happening this year and uh, which races are taking place and um, if I can race at all. Mm. So that was pretty hard in the beginning, but then I found some other things to motivate me, like doing um, totally different things. Mm -hmm. Long runs in the mountains during summer, that was a rare thing <laughs> before, because there were always competitions. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, now I'm in Gothenburg, so um, yeah, it's nice to do something different and to not having those competitions, which uh, kind of decide what to do yeah and have you been taking your training kind of back to back to basics and been doing a lot of base training um, in this time yes exactly um, I'm still doing much longer trainings that I actually used to do during summertime mm -hmm. um, but yeah I miss racing a lot and I also got problems with my calf muscle um, during a training camp in St. Moritz. So um, that was also, I think, because of those longer trainings than usual and because the of the competitions that were missing. Um, yeah, now I'm still recovering from that and uh, training is a lot different than it used to be, but um, I hope I get back quite soon. Mm. Are you doing a lot of cross training then um, with that? Yeah, a lot of spinning intervals at the moment. <laughs> Gotta love them. Um, I've never done spinning intervals before or maybe once a year. And now I did like three in a week. So um, I quite got used to it. <laughs> but I like it or I started liking it. Is that something you carry on afterwards then? Maybe and incorporate it into normal training? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that could be. Um, so do you think you've learned any you'll take any lessons that you've learned forward from this period with no races and how you've been training differently will, will have you found any new habits that you're going to be taking forward other than the bike spinning yes definitely um i had always hated intervals or especially intervals alone <laughs> 
Um, I was always having nightmares when I had to do an interval session alone. So um, I found out that it's pretty nice to do it with good music and then it really motivates me. So um, that one I will take take with me for the future. Um, and I think now I even really like intros, <laughs> um, especially alone when there's good music. So um, yes, that that's a good thing of Corona that I learned how to deal with intervals. Oh, so what did you not what did you not like about them? Was it trying to push yourself to to go really hard? Yeah, it was just the hard part of intervals that it was you were really feeling exhausted and tired, and you had to push yourself and. Uh, you don't have any distraction as in the forest mm. when you have a map and you can distract yourself so you you're just dying there <laughs> and yeah <laughs> that was the thing that that I hated the most yeah. but yeah. now I I learned how to like it I guess and um, how to push myself to the limits even without a map mm. so um, that's a good thing what music do you play uh different music just music that motivates me like film music is always quite nice ah yeah makes you feel really epic running exactly some like great terrain exactly. or like especially in the mountains yeah. i guess mm-hmm. i've not yeah. heard of and right now also norwegian music because i'm learning norwegian and um uh-huh. yeah i always like listening to norwegian mu- music and trying to understand the lyrics Wow, that's impressive. That is a good one. <laughs> Film music I've not heard of before. I know a guy who listens to Harry Potter audiobooks when he does tempo runs. But film, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, no. Film music is a I good one. I wouldn't be able to do that, I guess. No. I don't know how he manages <laughs> Harry it. Potter, Harry Potter in Norwegian. There you oh, go. Man. That might be, that yeah, might next be a new step. challenge. Next level. Maybe on the long spinning session. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think I think I've seen. Well, speaking of spinning, uh, spinning, it looks like you were doing quite a lot of cycling up in Samaritz, cycling up mountain passes, and you had the time to be able to do that. Yes, exactly. I've never done that before. Um, my longest tour was about one hundred k, and flat. Wow. So one hundred k and two thousand meters of climb. That was a new thing for me, but it was really nice to do it in company and. Uh, yeah, enjoying the time in the mountains and getting to see something new. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, we were certainly, when we were recording earlier episodes of the podcast, we were seeing all you guys up in Samaritz and we were being so jealous of you being out <laughs> on a training camp there. Oh. Uh, I get, well, you, you seem to be in the, everyone in orienteering was so jealous that you could actually go on a training camp together. It looked like a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really nice. I really enjoyed the time in San Moritz. Never been there more than two weeks, and four weeks was really nice. Really, yeah. Mm. Does altitude training normally feature in your training? Um, no, I've never done it before. Oh. Um, so that was the first time, just to try it out, and it was a a good timing with everything being cancelled, so um, I could try it out without any pressure. Mm-hmm. How did it go? Did it mostly go well? You, you said you picked up that calf injury, but otherwise, was it a good yeah, introduction? Yeah, otherwise I think it went quite well and I felt really strong afterwards on the spinning bike. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we will see if it, it was worth it. 
Um, I'm planning to do a 3000 meter someday. <laughs> Actually, um, I should have done it this week or last week, but yeah, that's postponed to unknown. <laughs> so um, yes, I'm looking forward to do that. I did one before, before the camp, mm -hmm. um, and now I'm trying to get faster than that. Nice, nice. But you look like you managed to do competition up when you were around that kind of that training camp uh, called La Chasse Uh how did, mm -hmm. how did that one go? It looked like all, your, all the main kind of Sw uh, Swiss team were there. Yeah, it was really nice competition and it was nice to compete against each other again. Um, it went pretty well. I had some mistakes still and uh, the cough problems were already there. <laughs> so um, yeah, it was it was a nice competition series and um, nice having some friends to compete against and not just uh, being in the forest and competing against yourself. <laughs> Mm. Do you not in a normal year would you do a lot of competition and lots of orienteering in your training or do you mostly do other things like regular running or or other things like that? No, I would would say it's mostly competitions but only when there's official competitions. Mm -hmm. So um they're mostly at the weekends maybe once a week or sometimes even twice a week or once every two weeks it depends a bit. But um, if there are competitions, I'm taking part of them. Um, otherwise, yeah, I'm just doing running sessions, but I've done a lot more training sessions or running sessions um, with intervals this spring <laughs> than usually because there were no competitions and so no hard orienteering trainings. Um, yeah, maybe that was, that was good to get faster physically. But yeah, the competitions were missing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I want to move it on to kind of some of your orienteering that you've already done. And obviously uh, now I'm, you're a second year senior, right? Exactly. Yes. So you managed to obviously make a really successful transition from junior to senior, which is not always the easiest thing. Do you, why do you think mm -hmm. you've managed to, to do pretty well at that? Yeah, that's a difficult question. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe because I have had already some experience before mm -hmm. with um, the European champs in Switzerland. That was a really good experience there um, to learn how it is competing as a senior or at senior level, um, getting to know um, how the competitions are going, like um, the start procedure and uh, the spectators in the finish, spectator passage and speakers and everything like that. And yeah, otherwise I don't know. I was, it was still the same orienteering. So I didn't change that much or anything at all. So um, mm. yeah. Do you feel like there is a big gap then between junior and senior in terms of the start and the spectators and spectator controls, things like that? Or, yeah. Yes, definitely. I think it's much bigger at senior level. Um, at junior world champs, you always had like the start in the middle of the forest. There was mm -hmm. mostly there was no camera at the start mm -hmm. and you were completely on your own. 
and at senior level it's everything is just bigger and there's camera and uh photographers and everything already at the start so you have to deal with that yeah yeah, yeah. are they are they a thing that you have had to adapt to if you've had to deal with them do you like the cameras or not uh, I don't care actually. <laughs> Good. Um, Good. At the start, um, I'm always so nervous that um, I have to focus on my own and uh, don't really realize what's going on around me. So um, I don't actually care what's around me at the start. Yeah. My my next question was actually, do you get that I had written down was, do you get nervous? So I guess the answer is yes. Do you? When do when do the nerves kick in for you, and, and what do you do about them? Mm, I guess the night before or already a year before sometimes oh uh, <laughs> no there are always like when I think of big competitions I'm getting a bit nervous so um, yeah maybe the night before is quite bad mm -hmm. I always sleep quite bad the night before and then um, always during the day um, it's really bad I can't really uh or i don't really speak to to others okay i'm like just listening to my music and trying to to distract myself i guess it's quite horrible at the start <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i know that i need it and um, i know that without the nervousness i would be quite bad because i had those races where i wasn't nervous at all and they uh, turned out quite uh, quite bad so um, yes I'm happy that I can be nervous before important competitions and how do you um, bottle that up in quarantine beforehand if you're sitting there for three four hours you know, how, how do you kind of control that nervous energy mm, mostly I have my Rubik's Cube with me <laughs> so I try to distract myself with that and um, listen to music and sometimes or I started to play games. Mm -hmm. um, that's one thing I haven't hadn't done before the World Champs this year. But uh, yes, I thought it's quite a good distraction. And then, do you feel that same way throughout the race, or once the start goes, do you you know forget about it all and focus on the job you have to do? No, when I pick up the map, everything is forgotten, so um, I can concentrate completely on on the race and yeah, that's a privilege. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty impressive. You can channel all that energy into being really focused on the race, and I guess the nerves just show it means a lot to you. Mm. Exactly. Mm. Um, so maybe take us back to your the first kind of big senior um, event, those European Championships in um, Switzerland, which were a really, really great com competition. And, um, you know, you did um, amazingly well in that. Um, what's What was the highlight? What was your favourite race from, from that one? Hmm. Yeah, the middle distance was really nice, of course. But I think the sprint was even... Uh, kind of bigger mm -hmm. and there were so many spectators in the finish area and for me it was such a big surprise to to perform so well there so um 
uh, yeah, I really have so good memories from there. And I also remember it quite well when I passed the, at the spectator passage, <laughs> when I heard that I was in a good position and I was so tired, I could barely put one foot um, <laughs> in front of the other one. So, um, yeah, I think that was my favorite race. Wow. And then I heard a rumor that the Swiss team were trying to get you to go to the selection races for the world championships that year as well, but you decided to focus on Jaywalk instead. Uh, I've already said during the winter that um, I want to focus on Jaywalk mm. and I actually didn't want to go to the European champs either. Mm -hmm. So um, they convinced me to, to run the selection races there. And uh, I was quite happy I did it. But I think the world champs weren't um, a question at all. So um, also the coaches told me that it's, or they don't want me to take part there mm -hmm. um, because it's so close to Jaywalk and um, the program would be just too huge um, with all those races during the whole year. So, no, I guess the World Champs weren't um, on my plan. Yeah, I think that's a good... Um, it sounds like a very good plan. I mean, Jaywalk <laughs> went well that year, so, you know... Exactly. And I was also happy to, to be able to follow the World Champs from home mm. at the screen. So that was quite nice. Yeah, great. that was really great. For me, it was nice not going there. <laughs> you didn't have all that pressure. You could enjoy the racing. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so then, well, then your World Champs debut was last summer. And um, I mean, great performances once again. That, that silver medal, I remember um, talking, you, you and Tova in that, that last section in, in that middle distance and it being so, so tight. Um, yeah, a really, really incredible race. So you ended up finishing second, just five seconds behind Tova Alexanderson. What was that race like for you? It was a really nice race. Um, from the beginning on, I felt so comfortable in that terrain. And uh, yeah, then after the spectator passage, I knew that I've had quite the good race. And I think I also heard that two ways behind me at some control or that I was fighting for a medal mm. and I wanted to make sure not making any mistake in the end. But then I took some uh, safety route choice and it was quite bad. <laughs> and I remember that I was standing there in the forest and didn't know where I was anymore. And yeah, it was quite a, a bad moment because I knew I actually was running for, for some medals mm. <laughs> and um, I was standing in the middle of the forest and didn't know anywhere anymore where exactly the control was or where I was. Um, so I was quite happy when I found it, but uh, yeah, it was really nice waiting in the finish area then and see two were running. Yeah. Um, but I kind of knew that it was my last loop was too bad to, to win that race. Mm. And it would have been an even bigger surprise then. So I was quite happy with second <laughs> place. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, when you when you've not known where you were and you can see the yeah Tova Alexanderson going around that last section, then you're probably very happy. It was only five seconds between the two of you. 
Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I, I thought it was way more, but um, yeah, I was really surprised that it was so close in the end. Mm. Will you um, like going forwards? Obviously, this next year's World Championships, there's going to be um, sprint and forest. But do you think you will be um, kind of doing? both disciplines like as the years go on and making sure you're focusing on each one as those world championships um, mm. happen no I'm I was really happy when I um, heard that there was a normal walk again <laughs> so um, <laughs> I'm hoping that I can run uh, both disciplines or even uh, at least sprint and some forest discipline mm-hmm. so um Yes, I'm focusing on both and not on just one. Yeah. Is do you have a favorite discipline? Um yeah, it's either or yeah, it's a forest discipline. Um for sure. But yeah, it's difficult to say. It's I really like long distances because it's just so long and you have to concentrate for such a long time and uh you have to push so hard, but I also like middle distance because it's really technical and um, there are no mistakes allowed. Mm-hmm. And I really like relays because you're on a team and you can perform together. So um, I would say it's just forest disciplines. <laughs> so definitely forest over sprint, but you're going to keep going, keep definitely. going with sprint. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think I need both of them. Um, I really like sprint also, like all those quick decisions and, um, but yeah, I couldn't only do sprint. Yeah. Yeah. Well, luckily enough for you next summer, hopefully we'll get, um, the full selection. And of course the Swiss world cups now going to be in another European championships. So you've got another European championships, um, on home terrain. Um, do you feel like you get a home advantage when you're competing internationally in Switzerland? Um, I have to say I live quite close to there, so um, I have <laughs> half an yes. hour by train. <laughs> so actually, yes, but um, European champs are always quite different from other competitions and they're building some artificial fences and stuff. So I guess I know the map quite well, but it can also be a dis- disadvantage. Um, as you know the terrain so well and you think you know it <laughs> but actually you don't know it yeah that's true and but the, the Swiss crowds I think are always some of the loudest or maybe it's just because they have like nice small arenas where everyone's cheering really loudly Definitely. but the, the crowd in Switzerland are always amazing I think mm. you must, yeah must I think that's a big home advantage <laughs> um, to have all those Swiss spectators and feeling at home and everything is familiar yeah yeah and now there's going to be a world cup every year in Switzerland as well that's really nice yes <laughs> that's cool <laughs> I'm looking forward to it yeah, definitely. It will be nice and, and easy for you guys having that home advantage and um, and all that kind of stuff as well. So um, what, do, what does the autumn hold for you? What do, what do the next few months look like um, in terms of trainings and if there might be any competitions you can get to? Mm, first, my plan is to get back to normal running mm-hmm. and then there are some Swiss um, championships, um, I think in almost all disciplines. So, um, yeah, those are 
maybe the the main competitions of the year. <laughs> um, and then there's still Euro meeting in Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope it doesn't get cancelled. <laughs> but um, yeah, <laughs> I think we all be... think the same. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that would be another um, big competition where I think um, also many others from uh, other nations will take part. So um, I would look forward to it. But yeah, I'm not sure if it will happen. It could be the biggest event of the whole season, of the whole year. Exactly, yes. <laughs> Ever, yeah. I think. Almost like world champs, I guess, because so many people will take part. Yeah, I, I so agree. So I, are you um, studying at the moment? Do you still have a few years studying left to do or a couple of years? Um, I'm actually still studying, mm-hmm. but like only 50% or less. Mm-hmm. So... Um, yeah, I'm trying to to study still a bit, but um, from October I will begin um, the military, sports military, mm-hmm. for half a year. So there we are able to train and um, focus just on sports. So um, I will, I guess, continue my studies next summer and. Uh, now only do orienteering for one year. Oh, so does that does that military pretty much enable you to um, have all the best resources and train full time? Exactly, yes. And we also have a quite nice group with Paula Gross and Sophie Bachmann. Mm-hmm. So uh, we get our own coach and we can try and train there together. And uh, yeah, after the Corona time where we always had to train alone, mm. it's pretty nice to get together and um, get to train half a year together. Mm. That's that's pretty cool. And then are you already thinking about next year's schedule and which particular races you want to focus on? Um, or are you just kind of at the moment trying to see how it how it all goes? <laughs> Wait. Um, yeah, I of course focus on... Um, the world champs and the European champs mm-hmm. uh, now that they're in Switzerland. Um, but otherwise, I don't have any plans for next year yet. So um, I'm still focusing on this season and <laughs> <laughs> let's see what this season brings. Um, but yeah, I will start in November planning the new season and uh, see what what else there is of course world cup in idrefjall will be quite nice mm. um but yeah. yeah not the main competition of the year yeah well, not you, the main but yeah, yeah not the main one you, you're up in so you're up in idra in the last uh, couple of weeks um on training camp uh what's it like up there do you love the terrain yes i really love the terrain there um i was quite surprised that it wasn't that open mm-hmm. um it was mostly forest and um the forest was uh, quite good visibility, which I actually don't really like because I think it's too easy. But there, it wasn't easy at all. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that World Cup. And um, now that I know how the terrain is, um, I'm already planning to stay one ye- uh, one week longer than World Cup to just enjoy <laughs> the terrain there a bit more, and not only do the competitions. Ah, oh, that sounds ideal. That sounds absolutely ideal. Um, there's one last question from me, um, unless there's anything else you want to talk about. Um, but do you feel like there's a lot of pressure on you as like maybe 
a new generation of you know Swiss orienteer at the beginning of your career maybe um, you know looking you seem to be a person who can actually challenge Tove Alexanderson in the forest and um, you know Switzerland looking for a new star do you feel there's pressure on you or do you try and ignore it mm, I always say I put the most pressure on my own mm-hmm. um, I don't think that there is much pressure from the outside because my the pressure from myself is the biggest and um, when I struggle with pressure then it's always my own pressure mm-hmm. so yeah I think it's just the own pressure and from the outside I don't really care what there is <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think that's a good, I think that's a good way to think about it I like it, it. It's a fantastic interview from Simona there. Personally, very much enjoyed it. Catherine, think you mm-hmm. uh, think you did as well. Hopefully, we get her back on the pod again soon. Yeah. Um, maybe at Euro meeting, we'll be able to to get a, get an interview out of her as well. But um, moving on to what's coming up in the uh, in the next couple of weeks. So, as we said, probably next time we record, we'll we'll have some races to report yes. back on. Woohoo! Finally, excellent. Um, and uh, and yeah, and can probably report back on what's happening with regards to people entering various leagues. You know what the uh, start is going to look like for the races coming up. But obviously, we want to finish with a a thank you to our to our sponsors, Envy um, and Straight Compass. And this week, I've been testing out the Envy Terra TT, which is a um, a special type of uh, a training shoe with quite a lot more padding in the in the midsole compared to a normal off-road terrain shoe so if you think about most x-talons they're, they're quite thin or um or or kind of off-road shoes they're quite thin and for me personally i feel like my calves sometimes can take a bit of a battering if i'm in high mileage and um and training in those kind of low profile shoes so this shoe has an extra amount of stack height to really help you with coping with long distance miles mm. whilst also in the terrain and i was testing them out on a uh on a training area which I've planned some stuff on um, to, to be used in my build up to Euro meeting. Yeah, if you want to get in touch, you can contact uh, Mary Fleming on nvstraight.uksales at gmail.com and that's N V I I S T R and then the number eight dot ukSales at gmail.com. So that's it for this episode. We will of course have our run in sprint with Simona next thursday and um again a good one listen out for that but we'll leave it with you but for now we'll uh we'll leave you and um yeah speak to you all next time